Jesus didn't just come to die. Jesus came to live, to teach, to heal, to tell stories, to protest, to turn over tables, to touch people who weren't supposed to be touched, and eat with people who weren't supposed to be eaten with, to break bread, to pour wine, to wash feet, to face temptation, to tick off the authorities, to fulfill scripture, to forgive, to announce the start of a brand new kingdom, to show us what the kingdom is like, to show us what God is like, to love his enemies to the point of death at their hands, and to beat death by rising from the grave. Hey everybody, I'm Ashley. And I'm Kristen. And I'm Meredith. We want to welcome you to Inspired Conversations, the podcast study of the book Inspired, Slaying Giants, Walking on Water, and Loving the Bible Again by Rachel Held Evans. The book is available in paperback and audio, so please follow along with us. Even if you aren't reading along, I think you'll still find this conversation beneficial and entertaining for your own faith journey. Today, we're going to dive into a discussion around the chapter, The Water, and Gospel Stories. What'd you think? I loved the water. Yeah. The, or the beginning part about uh-huh. the woman at the well. The midrash was oh, so good. Yeah. It's one of the best... I think, uh, Jesus stories mm-hmm. It's with the Samaritan woman at the well, but I loved the way she did the midrash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love talking about Jesus. Yeah, me too. And I, it's, it's also fun. Cause I think this was the first time that she personified Jesus himself yes. in, oh, in, in one yeah. of the chapters. Yes. And I loved how she betrayed him. She like, at one point talked about him having a belly laugh, a big, big right. belly laugh. Oh, right. Yeah. She gave him very human characteristics. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. Plus, I love that story from the Bible. So it's, I don't know. It, it fills in a lot of places. Go back and read it, folks. It's real good. Yeah, it's in John 4, if mm-hmm. you want to read about the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. So this week, apart from the chapter or the beginning on the water and the woman at the well, we're focused on gospel stories from the Bible. Uh, let me give you a little bit of an overview from Rachel Held Evans' words. It's the good news of Jesus told from multiple perspectives. The gospel according to dot, 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 the books of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, often referred to as synoptic gospels, tell the story through spiritual biography, drawing from eyewitness accounts, existing source materials, and the author's own memories to recall what Jesus did and taught. The book of John tells the story with a bit more creativity, adding new accounts and changing or embellishing details to make larger theological points about the significance of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. If you want to go back to the Bible and read some of the stories we'll discuss, check out The Woman at the Well in John 4, the story of the blind beggar in John 9, and the story of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. Let's jump in with a a question that kind of overarching kind of describes this chapter a little bit. Great. When did you two, and me too, I guess, um, first encounter Jesus? Like, even in your childhood, try to think about the details of it, if possible, if you remember. Like, what did Jesus look like, sound like, smell like? What about the message or presence of Jesus first stuck out to you as good news? In in the in the water, in beginning, she does this amazing job of describing him. Like, was it anything like that? Was it different? My mom always uh, tells the story. Oh, my gosh. I think she's used it as a sermon illustration in like half her sermons <laughs> of when I was really little, probably about four or five. Um, my aunt or somebody was talking and said something about Jesus. And I said, Jesus, who's that guy? And my aunt said, you know, Jesus, he lives in your heart. And I sat there for a second. and I said, hey, is that him beeping around in there? Like talking about my heartbeat. Aww. 
And my parent, well, apparently my mom thought it was just hilarious. And so she tells it all the time. So but uh, but I, I really um, identified a lot with how Rachel Held Evans described it. Um, on page 148, she's talking about um, not really remembering her first encounter with mm-hmm. Jesus, but going to a youth group and asking and people asking her, have you accepted Jesus in your heart? Mm-hmm. And that has definitely been my experience. I mean, I've gone to church since I was a baby and we were always there every Sunday and my parents were active, you know, participants in church and on councils and whatnot. Um, and so I just kind of, I never had that moment where, you know, I never had like this grand altar, altar call moment. I remember going to a youth overnight camp with one of my friends when I was in seventh grade and the whole thing was fun and we're doing all the things you do, you know, eating pizza and making t-shirts and whatnot. And at one point we were doing worship before bed and the youth pastor or the pastor, whoever was there did this altar call essentially. Mm -hmm. And if you've not accepted Jesus into your heart, come down now. And I was 13 and I was like, well, I don't know what that means. But like, I know I believe in Jesus. And so I went down because I was like, I don't know what else to do. And they like put hands on me and they were praying. And I remember sitting there thinking, I should probably be having a moment right now. But all I can think about is what is happening? Like, I was so confused. And so I called my mom to say goodnight. And I told her what had happened. And she was like, okay, I'm going to come pick you up now because I feel like we need to do some like... You know, <laughs> well, they like wanted to know if I had been baptized. And I said, yes, as a baby. And they're like, that doesn't count. You know, so it was this oh. whole thing. Well, so, yeah. <laughs> so my mom was like, I'm coming to get you and we're going to talk about this. But so I never had that, you know, grand moment. Mm-hmm. For me, it was just something that, you know, grew mm-hmm. as I grew. My understanding of Jesus grew as I grew. And I think probably the first time that I felt, you know, um, I don't know, emotion around it was probably in college. I think I mentioned in one of our past podcasts that I went to a Catholic church um, to do prayers and stuff because I felt like it was very sacred. It felt like a sacred space. And I remember lighting candles and saying prayers and actually feeling, you know, a presence. Mm -hmm. But um, I didn't have that moment Mm -hmm. that a lot of people talk about. It's interesting. I have a very similar story to yours. Um, my, my family became like active church going Christians because my mom went to a mops group, a mother's day out program. Um, and I'm sure that while I was there, I was getting information about, you know, probably like felt dioramas and <laughs> right. Ooh, flannel graphs. Yeah. Oh, I flannel, love flannel oh, graphs. is that what it's called? Oh I yeah. I did not know that. Ashley, spend more time in children's ministry. <laughs> well, invite me. But, um, <laughs> For your puppet. Right. Yes. Puppeteer. But so I'm sure that I got it then. But I agree. I think it was um, it was T-Bar-M overnight sports camp. I nice. was playing tennis, folks. Don't. Ashley played tennis? <laughs> Ashley played a couple sports before we all realized Ashley's not a sports <laughs> I person. I was Ashley know what sports means? <laughs> right. <laughs> I wasn't bad at tennis. Not a sportser. Go sports. Go <laughs> sports. But yeah, so I I had a similar kind of, um, I don't think that they had like an altar call, altar call, but it was kind of that same thing um, where our group leaders would talk to us about, you know, accepting Jesus and choosing a life with Jesus. And I remember doing that then, but you're right. It wasn't, and it was until a later camp that was when I was in high school, like later on in high school. And I had like a meaningful worship experience. 
And I remember coming home from that camp and explaining it to my parents and crying, like oh. even crying, just explaining it. I was like, yeah. I was like, I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I remember being like, oh, this is okay. Cool, 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 cool. And I was on board ever since. But I feel like my understanding of like what choosing a life for Jesus means, that definition has definitely changed over right. time. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely kind of... um <laughs> One of those Jesus concert moments, you oh. know. <laughs> Were you at DC Talk or Jars of Clay? I wasn't. It I was... saw Jars of Clay. You did? Oh, oh, I, did. I saw Zoe Girl. Do y'all remember Zoe Girl? Oh, they were like nope. the Britney Spears pop group of Christian. No. This is my first concert. Too old for it. Yeah. yeah. No. It, it, uh, so it was a band called Tree 73. Okay. Which... That sounds like a very yeah, Christian band that, name. Yeah. So you got numbers. In that, yeah. So. so we've got some Christian numerology. Yes. And um, I don't know the book of trees. Though. Yes. No. Trees. No. No. So. But they they were responsible for a song that ended up getting big. I can't remember what it was, but I think like it got sold to somebody bigger. Um, but yeah, it was a good trip, and I think that that led to my like spiritual practice after that. But. Thinking of what I thought Jesus was like at that point was very, like, uh, distant, if that makes any sense. Like, mm-hmm. pedestal high, far oh, away. Really? Yeah. Kind of like, wow, just this, like, larger-than-life right. character. No, I 100% understand that. That yeah. was mine as well. It wasn't important to know the details about him. That's so interesting. I would say mine would be the opposite really? from when I was little. I remember all those children books mm-hmm. and stories. And there was one that had Jesus in a white robe mm-hmm. with a ro- uh, rope belt. And he oh, probably yeah. had the long brown shaggy hair. Sandals. And mm-hmm. sandals. And he was sitting in the grass and children were sitting in his lap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for me, I had never really thought about that, but I always felt like, yeah, if Jesus was around, we'd be holding hands. Yeah. <laughs> I really did. Like, I always saw him as, like, someone that, um, yeah, like a relative mm-hmm. almost to me who was going to take care of me. Mm. Um, and then as I grew older, I think I felt the presence probably in similar ways to you did. I feel like it was more in high school when um, I was at uh, mass with my aunt and uncle, mm-hmm. and I wasn't Catholic yet. I didn't convert until I was a sophomore in high school, but... I just remember being overcome feeling the presence of God Mm -hmm. and it was, it was like tears streaming and I couldn't explain why, but I knew I wanted to be part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what started my really like calling to go to church every week and that sort of religion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It's so interesting because now have, you know, from previous to this book, but because of this book, I feel like I have this much more real, tangible person who served, you know, like yeah. right. much more like someone we have listed in the previous episodes, like, you know, kind of a Nelson Mandela figure or someone like real, if that, for lack of a better word. And, you know, just thinking about that, like, Jesus ate dinner mm-hmm. every night. Like, even just kind of thinking about these smaller things. For me, I wasn't even really able to connect with the fact that, like, he was probably hungry one or two days that they were traveling. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. got blisters right. from walking. Like, I don't know. It's like when you were a kid and you saw your teacher at the mall mm-hmm. and you were like, whoa, 
why are you here? You're doing people things. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, right. Jesus. Like, you don't live here. Right. You live at school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, but no, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, even when we talk about like the Nelson Mandela figures mm-hmm. and stuff, wonderful people, um, but even they're just human. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, if we were in a crowd and I were to be like, I just want to touch you and be like, okay, weirdo. Like I, right. <laughs> I got places to be. I'm really important. Mm-hmm. But every story from the Bible, from the gospels that we read of Jesus shows how Jesus made time for everyone. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and treated everyone like they were the most important per- person in the world at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think he was really present. Like yeah. I do not think he would be on his cell phone while you were talking to him. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of those those stories we hear about with Jesus, what are some of your favorite stories about Jesus from the Gospels? One of mine has always been, and it's weird uh, that because I would never have said this was one of my favorites until mm-hmm. recently, but uh, the story of the woman who bled for twelve years. Oh yeah, it's an icky story, and but I love it so much because. Jesus crossed every single boundary in that story. I mean, I've read commentaries that have said that, you know, talking about how absolutely unclean this woman was um, and would have been considered and that uh, some people have even said she would have been considered even you know, more unclean and more mm-hmm. gross than lepers. Right. And not only did Jesus, you know, allow some of it, you know, I think in Mark it says that he felt his power leave him not only did he allow that to happen but turned talked to her touched her Mm -hmm. showed her attention in that moment and you know i just imagine like some of the stories about the lepers these people who have been so isolated and so alone Mm -hmm. for so long this woman who has been you know bottom of the totem pole for so long what she must have felt in that moment when this person who is so important and she knows is so powerful Mm -hmm turns and looks at her, singles her out of the crowd, not only heals her, but pays, you know, direct attention to her. It's just, it's very powerful to think of. And you mentioned this morning how he also um, complimented her on her faith. Yes. She was an example of having such strong faith too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was, I mean, it was putting her up there really. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's awesome. It's like every line that could be crossed Jesus in the, in a good way, Jesus crossed in that moment. I Mm -hmm. loved it. Love it. Well, and just like we will end up talking about a lot in this podcast about this chapter, he stepped into her life in the exact way that he need that she needed someone to step in. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, she had been so isolated, like you said, for so long. Someone else could have done that and mm-hmm. made her feel that way. Like Jesus fixed her, mm-hmm. helped her heal, um, but helped her heal physically helped her heal physically but spiritually as well because i mean her understanding of herself and her value was so shifted probably in that moment and someone else like you know a person who is following jesus could have done that right but i would i would love it if we had someone like rachel held evans who'd be able to write the story of that from Mm -hmm. a different perspective yes to see we can do it Kristen. woo (laughs) because <laughs> even, even we are the, equipped even the story she did write about the well yeah it additionally is a story about a woman who felt that she was absolutely the lowest on the totem pole she was a burden to her family yeah. she you know sociologically low and vulnerable why don't you give them a little bit of context around the story sure so there's a woman at a well um and she is there um very likely after everyone else who 
you know, is, quote, supposed to be at the well. This Samaritan woman who never would have crossed paths with Jews because Samaritans and Jews didn't, didn't talk, didn't play, considered different and lower classes. She gets up there. She's already shunned by her community because she's been married multiple times. And we don't know the context of that. But it, that doesn't look good and it makes you seem a little um, like floozy. Or, yeah, and she's living with someone who, sh- that and she's, who not she's not married, married to, to at the moment. That's and, yeah. very, uh, very weird for this culture at this time, yeah. for sure. And so all the women kind of probably whisper about her and this, that, and the other, if not say things directly to her. And then this Jew steps up and asks her to draw water for him, <laughs> which for context, you weren't even as a Jew supposed to touch anything that a Samaritan touched. They were so unclean that you couldn't like share the same water, touch the same food, anything. And he asked her to pull water and then drink with her as they were at the well, which is just insane. And then he speaks directly to her heart, which kind of is the theme of this chapter and and knows her and sees her and tells her to, no, I'm going to eat with you tonight. And which never would have happened. Yeah, and it was just interesting because we find out he knows about how many husbands she has had. Yeah. Which she in her head is like, not even my family know about all of them. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it was one of those where he was like, she's like, what are you? What is this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, what we talked about a little bit this morning is how he didn't really give up the conversation when she even at first kind of pushed back Mm -hmm. and wasn't sure who this was talking to her. But he helped her get to where she understood he was Jesus and the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And then she runs off excited to tell the rest of the Samaritans who she had encountered. Yeah, it's just crazy. So just like the woman um, who was bleeding stepped into a space with someone who felt other and, and saw her. Right. Deeply. It's, yeah. And there's there's a few stories like this, you know, people who are mourning those that they've lost, you know, even the story of Lazarus and the story of the man who gets lowered on the cot. Yeah. And these are just all moments where Jesus stepped into places where at that time the priests would have not been caught in that side of town, let alone right. hanging out with these people. Right. And it's funny you talk about how he knows what they need to hear. Mm-hmm. And so one of the stories that I like, it's um, interesting because it's the Mary and Martha story, mm-hmm. which you, if you've hung out at Christ United for a while, I'm sure you've heard Don share on <laughs> this verse. Yeah, But it's so good. And I think it's so applicable to these times. But Mary and Martha, Jesus goes to visit their home. And Martha's at the house, like getting dinner ready, moving around, cleaning up. And Mary is sitting at Jesus's feet, listening to him talk and share stories. And Martha, as I think most of us are, would be super agitated and like, come on, Jesus, are you not going to tell her to come help me? And Jesus basically tells Martha, no, like Mary is doing the thing that we should all be doing, which is sitting here and listening and taking it all in. And so I think he knew Martha well enough to know Martha needs to hear this, Mm -hmm. whether Martha was seeking it or not, which I think comes to our face and ahead often in life. Yes. Yes. He knew that he needed to step into that busyness. Yes. (laughs) In that moment. Because when you are, when you are surrounded, when you surround yourself by busyness and when you are so busy, you cannot experience heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things she talks about a lot in here is that 
uh, heaven is not this um, afterlife ethereal place solely, that it is uh, to be experienced here on earth and that Jesus is giving us uh, ways to experience the kingdom, to experience heaven here on earth. Mm -hmm. So what have been some times uh, that you guys have experienced heaven on earth? Oh, I love this. I do. We talked a little bit about this this morning, and it's something that I've played around in my brain for a little bit now because, you know, that was the good news that Jesus also brought also uh, right. brought as well, is mm-hmm. that we can have heaven on earth. We don't have to wait till death. Right. And I think about the times when I am feeling content, peace, mm-hmm. joy, because those are my favorite feelings, and mm-hmm. I feel like that's probably what it'll be like in heaven. Mm-hmm. And those are times, um, whether it, the small moments would be watching my kids play or going on a beautiful hike. Uh, I also shared this morning that it was the wow moment of when I delivered my oldest. Mm. And I was so scared and so frightened. Mm-hmm. And But when they laid her on my chest, all gooky and ooky, <laughs> and I didn't Slimy. care. I just wept yeah. like a big baby because... I knew uh, only God could help, I mean, create this miracle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was, Mm -hmm. that was heaven on earth. Yeah. All my times that I can think of are, they're either itty bitty Mm -hmm. or they're enormous. And usually nowhere in between. It like, the time I think of is sitting on the top of the Nose Mountain in Guatemala at sunrise, looking out over everything. Like it just felt like the top of Jurassic Park and you're just looking out over this lake and I was like, this exists. Wow. Yeah. Like, this is here. This was created. This was painted. Like, it looked like I was living in a screensaver in yeah. that moment and surrounded by great people and just we had all done it together. And I was just like, man, this is a moment that I could have missed, you know? And when those moments where you're like, holy cow, I'm so glad I didn't miss this this see it and then the other times I think of are like the itty bitty moments where I'm sitting on my couch on a Tuesday yes I'm bringing it back to the Tuesdays ladies I knew would. yes but I'm sitting on the couch on a Tuesday and my husband's playing video games and I'm eating a snack and I'm reading a book and I'm sitting and I've watered my plants and everything is Mm -hmm. is just where it is in the universe and I'm just like man life is good Mm-hmm. Well, and what's your favorite song for that day? <laughs> Love is the Tuesday. Love is the Tuesday. Oh, yes. That's right. That's right. We're okay. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. it's just like, and, and I think that that is also where kind of over focusing on heaven as the goal can undermine yeah. some things. Absolutely. Because if you really believe that the best of everything isn't, is you will not experience until you die, you're going to miss all of those moments, right? all of those little pieces all put together. And yeah, so that's where good intentions of, you know, living a Christian life, preparing for this other better thing, you miss, you miss the thing. You right. miss the thing, in fact. <laughs> yeah, there's so much goodness here. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. I think you guys touched on my big ones. I mean, delivering my son, which I mean, the delivery of every child is wonderful and beautiful and meaningful. The delivery of my son was especially so because I got an epidural with him and it didn't take. (laughs) And so it was horrible and painful. And it was the first time in my life that I've ever screamed and cussed at an adult human that was not like, you know, a joke or related to me. 
Um, but in all the pain, because if you've had a child, you know the pain doesn't go away the second that baby comes out. And I'm still sitting there in the stirrups, and the baby's, you know, Rory's laying on my chest, and I'm like weeping and laughing. <laughs> and I remember Ben saying, are you in pain? Do you hurt? And I said, yes, as I'm laughing. And he's like, then why are you laughing? And I was like, because I'm so happy right now. Like, it was, you just could not mm-hmm. not feel the love and joy of that moment. And then, um, but then I agree, Ashley, with, I, I was also going to talk about on my honeymoon, you know, standing over mm-hmm. just like this beautiful landscape and looking and being with the person that I love and mm-hmm. like, I can't believe this is real. But honestly, as I was sitting here listening to you, the one that really came to mind was last year on Monday Thursday, mm. which is very bizarre <laughs> that day, but it was in the middle, it, well, toward the p- beginning of the pandemic mm-hmm. and everything was kind of scary. I mean, I was terrified to go to Walmart. Like I was, yeah. <laughs> we were delivering groceries because I was so afraid to go out. Out of toilet paper. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, not knowing, is it going to affect us? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I remember sitting on the couch with my whole family and my husband and I had been working on a puzzle in the other room and that was kind of, that became our thing. And we were watching the service on our TV and my girls really wanted to do the communion reenactment. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, because they see people do it every breaking the bread. And so I have this picture. I had to take the picture of uh, my oldest holding the bread up over her head. And like you can see Pastor Chris in the background doing Mm -hmm. it. And then Violet is holding the cup with, you know, and I had this moment and I just started weeping because it was just this moment of not only peace, but also, I mean, I felt God in that moment, but it was like, how fortunate are we that we can still participate in this community of faith and in the kingdom of God in this moment Mm -hmm. where we should feel so isolated. And at times we did, but it was just this, this moment of pure peace and happiness and just comfort. I'm surrounded by everybody I need to be surrounded by. We are safe Mm -hmm. and we're able to participate in this wonderful moment. And it just... I don't know. I, I I still think about that sometimes. Oh, it's so, so good. Special. I kind of feel that way. Like I feel really happy right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I, know. I agree. I love getting to chat about this with you I guys. Agree. It's a little. It's a little bubble. It's a. It's a fun. It's a fun place to visit every week. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I just love this quote that I feel like uh, I need to share. On page one fifty four, Rachel Hald Evans says, "Jesus didn't just come to die. Jesus came to live." to teach, to heal, to tell stories, to protest, to turn over tables, to touch people who weren't supposed to be touched and eat with people who weren't supposed to be eaten with, to break bread, to pour wine, to wash feet, to face temptation, to tick off the authorities, to fulfill scripture, to forgive, to announce the start of a brand new kingdom, to show us what the kingdom is like, to show us what God is like, to love his enemies to the point of death at their hands and to beat death by rising from the grave. Mm. That was also all one sentence and amazing. (laughs) So from that, what do you all feel like is the gospel or what type of good news did Jesus bring for you all? It reminds me a lot of what you talked about last episode, Kristen, about bringing the margins to the middle. Mm. And... That's what I was going to say. The the gospel for me is inclusion. Yeah. It's finding a way that everybody gets a seat at the table. Yep. And And that's a work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that everybody is important. Yeah. That Jesus made time for everyone and and was very engaged Mm -hmm. in these moments. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so the gospel or the good news for me, at least, is that 
you've got a spot. Yeah. <laughs> like there's nothing about you or anything about where you come from or what you've done or who you are that ever takes your stool away from that table. And usually the only people in between you and that are just other people. And so the good news is that this chair is there and the gospel is all the stories of the times that Jesus called people to the table or forcibly even picked people up by their collar and said, nope, you sit at the <laughs> table. It makes you think of the, the tax collector. Yeah. 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 Come into your house. Yes. Like, yep. You don't know it yet, but I'm throwing a party at your house. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I love that. And well, and it makes me think of what I was uh, talking about this morning was how the good news is that women also have a seat at the table, yeah. mm-hmm. that they were the first to know about the resurrection, that Mary Magdalene was brought up. They are with the group of men, too. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, just like you said, Ashley, that's what it reminds me of. I know. And it's 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 a message that applies because, you know, that might sound simplified, but even the biggest problems that our world can muster at its, at its base are solved by that answer. It's like everybody has a seat. <laughs> yeah. And it is, a, it is a work to do so. Right. I like to, and I don't know if this necessarily counts as the good news the good news mm-hmm. for me but i i hadn't really i mean i guess i thought of it but i hadn't really thought of it until um she says something about it on page 155 but um i, I love and it, it makes me feel so comforted to know what i mean it seems obvious that jesus was human mm. right and that all the emotions that i have and all the bad days and all the this and that that i have jesus has experienced and it really struck me on page 155 that she's talking about um, when Jesus was chased by the crowd mm-hmm. and said, sure enough, the crowds got so big that Jesus had to flee the, to the desert just to get some privacy. And that just, I mean, I love that, that the concept um, of Jesus having, you know, which is, of course, right before he feeds the 5,000. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, the concept that Jesus is like, please just leave me alone for five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I just need a breath. Yeah. I need to be alone for just a minute. I'm like, oh, been there. Been <laughs> there, man. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. <laughs> like, he got overwhelmed. He got overstimulated. Yeah. He knew that he, well, and we're reading in my Sunday school class a book called The Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Mm-hmm. And he uses that example and other examples of how Jesus knew he had to rest. Right. And people like the disciples are like, hey, man, like everyone is asking about you. And yeah, he's they're like, waiting for you, man. Cool. I'm going to get in this boat. Yep. And I'm going to go away. Mm-hmm. And like, so it's like, so you think you have more work to do than Jesus mm-hmm. and you can't pause right. or take a break. Right. And so he lived not by just the stories, but his examples yes. that showed us. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm an extrovert through and through. But I've experienced that just need to go away. Yes. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm crawling in my bed and I'm turning off the lights and I don't want to talk to anybody. I know. It's like no offense, but no. Nope. <laughs> and at least for me, the the next part of that page, um, that story, that gospel, it, it speaks to the instinct to do otherwise, too. Exactly like what you're talking about, like eliminating hurry. It, But like it's not in there that it's like, and Jesus really was concerned about figuring something out. And so he stayed up and thought about it for two days. <laughs> right. He didn't sleep for a week. You know, those aren't the miracles mm-hmm. of him pushing through, not resting, not doing anything. And on that same page on 155, she says, sometimes the gospel steps on your toes. 
Sometimes they challenge or annoy. Sometimes they force you to confront your privilege, your pride, or your lack of imagination, or just how reckless and wild and indiscriminate the Holy Spirit can be. And it's like, I do have to accept that I need to rest. I do have to accept that I, it's my job to invite people to the table and that's gonna, that's gonna step on some toes when you, when you do those things. It's like what, uh, me and Kristen talk about a lot. The only people who, um, get mad when you put up boundaries are people who are trying to take advantage of your boundaries. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. I need to read that hurry book. Yeah, I'll let you borrow it. Mm-hmm. It's a really it, it's very counterculture because it mm-hmm. talks about how you don't have to keep climbing the ladder and how he even does like a whole Sabbath day where he doesn't touch his phone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, but <laughs> <laughs> I actually love that. That's our favorite family vacation that we take. And of course, COVID's thrown a wrench in it, but we try to do it every year. We take an unplugged trip. And wow. for three years in a row, we went to the same cabin. Uh, and so now we go to another one, but we go to the Hill Country, and it's literally a cabin that has no Wi Fi, no cell signal. Like, I mean, it's, we are off of not the actual <laughs> grid because there's still power, but uh, <laughs> still an Airbnb. But. <laughs> it's still Verbo, but still. Yeah. Uh, but no, there's no internet, there's no TV in the place. Um, we don't bring any of the screens. Like, we leave everything behind. And it was so funny the first year we went, my husband and I kept finding ourselves like picking up our phones and looking and being like, oh, that's right, we can't use that. But it, ends up being even for the kids it ends up being their favorite thing because it's like we have nothing to do we don't have anything that we can do except play together Mm -hmm. go outside hang out on the porch like let's do a a campfire Um, and we try to do that every year and it's our favorite because Mm -hmm. it forces us to rest sounds like heaven on earth (gasps) doesn't it though that's what i call that cabin Uh uh-huh (laughs) uh-huh So actually, at the very end of um, that section that you read a second ago, um, she talks about how reckless and wild and indiscriminate the Holy Spirit can be. And the very next paragraph, she tells the story about her sister um, who worked in a field hospital outside of Mosul, Iraq, um, and that she met a nurse there who is dressing the wounds of toddlers in the children's ward. Uh, and then right next door were the, were the ISIS fighters in the enemy combatant ward that had mm. caused the injuries to the children. And this quote, I know we normally do what our favorite parts were at the very end, but I'm doing mine now because it seemed to fit with what you were talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, my absolute favorite was um, this nurse said, quote, to walk from a ward of innocent victims to a ward full of the perpetrators and to show equal love and service is not humanly possible. It's divine. It is the gospel. Mm. So I had to put the book down after I read that because I got so overwhelmed, not like weepy, just Mm -hmm. like, I just, uh, it was just so heavy. So profound. So profound. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it kind of exudes this fact that the gospel you know which i think lots of people kind of put in the box of like this specific thing that you're supposed to know about jesus you know like if you were to ask someone on the street what's the gospel well probably these books and Mm -hmm. this thing but those moments where we run into in life where the gospel is in action Mm -hmm. oh yeah Mm -hmm. speaks even louder and and that's another thing about slowing down and noticing right you know like she could have hurried straight through and been frustrated and not zoomed out from the 
profoundity of mm-hmm. that moment. And these stories are great because um, it gives us a modern day example of the gospel. Exactly. Because sometimes these stories are a little bit hard because we're not living in that culture. Right. Mm-hmm. So like we don't understand the hatred between the Samaritans and right. the Jews. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you drink after a Samaritan? I don't right. Because right. yeah. now we have things like called the good Samaritan. Right. And like mm-hmm. that was not how they right. felt. But we know ISIS. Yeah. ISIS could have been our Samaritan. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that brings a lot of feelings to me mm-hmm. whenever I'm able to hear this example. We also talked about how um, at the beginning of this year as a church, we read the book of joy. Mm-hmm. And in there, Desmond Tutu set, uh, shares a very... Ooh, strong story about mothers forgiving um, mm. a gang mm-hmm. who had tortured and killed their children. Mm-hmm. And they saw them do this on TV. And that is nothing but the divine working there. Yeah. 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 It's, it's radical. It completely overrides your usual human instinct. Right. Of, yeah you know, of self-protection, of self-preservation, of logic even, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's, man, I don't know how you walk from a room of burned toddlers. Right. Into a room of other people and, and not, and not drag that feeling Uh from that other room into this room. Uh And that's Jesus stepping into a new, a new life, a new space. That's crazy. And I don't know. I think that there are times when we overcome our our per, uh, perceived limitations in love. And those are the moments that the gospel is active and at play and real and living and breathing in us. Well, and it just goes to show that you never know. You know, we talked last week, you never know to whom you are going to be a prophet. You never yeah. know when the Holy Spirit is going to work through you, when you are going to be. I mean, we try to live out the gospels. But we never know who it's going to affect. Mm -hmm. And, you know, possibly there's someone telling a story similarly, hopefully not with ISIS fighters and dead toddlers. Mm -hmm. But, you know, about about you or about me uh, Mm -hmm. that I really saw the Holy Spirit at work in this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, It even makes me think back to Esther that we talked about, mm -hmm. how she didn't know that it was going to be her moment to go in and save the Jews. Right. So we just never know when it's going to be our moment. Mm -hmm. And all of those are are people (laughs) who were able to view the big picture, who were able to have perspective because. But maybe not on their, not on their own though. Not on their own, but even, even Esther, the victim of. Oh, sure. Yeah. Horrible assault at this point. Yeah. Was able to go, wait, I can use this. But I think, I think y'all are both, where Mm -hmm. it's like God was part of Esther understanding Mm -hmm. that Uh she could be part of this yeah because it is it's just yeah forgiveness i think forgiveness is so hard Mm -hmm. oh my gosh yes so hard and i uh that has to have god involved in there a lot for some of these things yes Mm -hmm. yes indeed Mm -hmm. i think it's one of those things where and i mean i can't think of a specific example but i know i've had moments where i i step back or after the fact i look back and think I did. I reacted in a much different way than I thought, or than I would have normally. Like an out of body experience. Yeah, kind of like. Actually, I'm surprised that I didn't like try to run that person over in that moment. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you have that moment where you're like, kind of proud of yourself, but also a little confused as to why. (laughs) And I mean, obviously, I don't think I've ever done anything like this, but I'm sure it was something like that. Where in Mm -hmm. hindsight, she's like, I can't believe I was able to actually work 
to heal these people. Mm -hmm. I feel like that sometimes with parenting. Like, I'm like, I can't believe I didn't whack you upside the head. (laughs) This is not me. No, I'm just, I do not whack my children upside the head. (laughs) But you know, like, the impulse is there. I had a friend who used to, when she would get frustrated with her toddlers, would tell her kids that she needed to go in the closet and talk to Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I have definitely said, mommy needs a little time out for a second. Like, Mm -hmm. I need to go calm down. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, this was a great section. Should we go ahead and dive into our favorites from the yeah, chapter? Yeah, let's do mm-hmm. it. I need it. Okay, so I like this one on page 157. The church is not a group of people who believe all the same things. The church is a group of people caught up in the same story with Jesus at the center. I think that's just wonderful because as we've we've discussed in different ways that people can get bogged down on denominations Mm -hmm. on theology on religion um but that's not the news that jesus came to share right yeah jesus wasn't a methodist he was not (laughs) he wasn't a baptist guys not jesus was jesus but i it kills me i thought about that this morning that you know i'll read and i mean i'm not saying anything bad about anybody but i'll read you know obituaries sometimes or you know biographies or something and they'll say uh they were a through and through baptist or they were a through and through lutheran and i'm always thinking to myself i hope that's not what people say about me because i would rather just be considered a christian like Mm -hmm. i don't want to be identified with one sect of christianity right obviously I am. I, I do because I'm part of the Methodist church, but like it just, it's so much bigger than that, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we spend too much time there. Yeah. Instead of where we need to be. Yeah. Like where our commonality is. Uh-huh. Like our commonality is that we all love Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we are just, my mom always says, whenever I would have debates or arguments, which I've gotten better about with people of different denominations and how they felt. I should or shouldn't, you know, express the gospel and vice versa. And my mom has always said, you know, you are just two people doing the best you can to spread the love of Jesus in the world. Mm-hmm. And like, if that's, and that's kind of sometimes when debates get ugly, that's the way I'll try to end it is just quoting my mom and say, you know what? I think that we're both two different people doing everything we can to share the love of Jesus and God in the world. Mm. And leave it at that. Because mm-hmm. you can't argue with that. I know. <laughs> and then it stops me from arguing too. Right. It keeps you from falling back down the hole too. Uh-huh. Which is funny because that's kind of what my quote's about a little bit. My my quote um, is on 158. Um, and she says, we spend a lot of time speculating about what God is like. We argue about it, build theologies around it, and sometimes even wage war over it. We use words like omniscient and omnipotent sovereign and trinitarian to describe a god who defies language and eclipses metaphor i once sat at a bar between two seminary students hotly debating god's supposed immutability accusations of heresy and supersessionism flying at one another with a little bit of spittle their breath smelling like pretzels and beer when nestled in my lazy boy with a new theology book it's austere weight a comfort blanket to my ego It can be easy to imagine God as a set of ideas, philosophy, or a system of thought. And yet the scandal of the gospel is that one day the God of our theology books and religious debates showed up as a person in flesh and blood. And while God indeed delivered a few sermons and entertained a couple of theological discussions that we know about, it is notable that according to the gospels, 
When God was wrapped in flesh and walked among us, the single most occupying activity of the creator of the universe, the ultimate reality, the alpha and omega, and the great I am of ages past and ages to come was to tell stories. Mic drop. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it... It just, it's, that's such a good little zip down of like how we miss it. We're we're looking so hard for it (laughs) that we just miss it entirely. Yep. But it's so good. Yep. At the end, she says, we are storytelling creatures because we are fashioned in the image of a storytelling God. Mm -hmm. It makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many stories did we just tell today? Right. Yeah. It's how we identify. We it's how we identify with who we are, mm-hmm. our past and our present and our future. It's all the stories that we have, and some of them we embellish and we make different. And mm-hmm. you know that's not really how it went down, but it it's what made me who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just a big composite of lots of different things that led to how we currently are and how we will be. You know, based on something could change our story tomorrow. But it, Jesus just steps into that your story. He becomes a part of your story and is the character that you need. Yes. In that moment. Anyways, that's some good stuff, guys. And, you know, I could keep going, but maybe we should just come back next week, huh? I think so. We've same got time, good... same bat channel. That's right. <laughs> we got some good stuff next week. Yep. Next time, we're going to be reflecting on the sea and fish stories. Check out cumc.com backslash inspired for more details on this study. If you have any questions you want to ask, reflections, or stories to share, please email me at Ashley, that's with an L-E-Y, at cumc.com, and we'll be excited to share them on our next episode. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you have a great week. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this podcast episode. As a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministry produced by Ashley Danner, you can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to view our full listing of podcast series. Like, subscribe, and follow so that you don't miss a single message. Thanks for supporting us. Have a great week.